What does it take to become an elite 40k player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40k Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirit remains unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. I am absolutely thrilled you're able to join us today for those listening for the first time or for the ninth time, as this is episode nine of the podcast. For those of you just listening, this is this podcast is all about learning from your mistakes. We bring on a elite player who has taken one or two losses in a major event, and we talk about the game they lost. We talk about what they perceived, maybe they did wrong, what went wrong during the game, what strategies went awry, maybe things they could adjust in their list. Have you ever? How often have you just sat down after a game and blamed it on bad dice? Well, that's what we're trying to debunk here. We're trying to take that and flip it on its head. For today's for today's guest, we're going to venture down to Idaho, which is known for two things. One is potatoes. Two is the Boise Cup GT. And we're going to talk about some 40K. We're going to talk about Admech. We're going to talk about custodes. And we're going to talk about the art of frying potatoes into sweet, sweet French fries. They say you learn the most about a person by the condiments they use in their fries. I've been known to dabble in the mustard. Take what you will from that. In part one of this podcast, we'll be analyzing the game. We'll be talking about the matchup between Admech and Custodes. We'll be talking about the mistakes that they believe they maybe made, maybe the mistakes they didn't make. We'll be talking about secondaries. We'll be talking about target priority, all the good stuff that goes into the game. Join us for part two after that, which is for subscribers only. In part two, we'll, we'll dive into list adjustments. We'll talk about strategies maybe they think about after the game. And we'll talk about just that elite player mindset. My co-host today is most recently known for dunking on his friends at ACO, just absolutely slamming on their heads. He's a franchise owner of this Outback Steakhouse where he founded the Blooming Onion. He's a nine-time member of Team USA. I actually did some research before this episode, and I discovered he did win in an Adepticon in 2012. Possibly more. I don't know. I couldn't really figure it out in the archives. He's a three-time top LVO finisher. He recently won the Armed Forces GT, and he's the 2021 ACO champion, Mr. Brad Chester. Brad, Brad, I found you a beautiful horsehair wig. I'm 1,000% ready to rock this out. It's going to be just like a main. It's going to be glorious. If you win the ITC, are you going to wear it? Of course I will. The mullet's coming back. No. This is going to, yeah. It's that, oh, yeah, I hear your wife in the background saying no. But, <laughs> no uh, yes. She, but no means yes in this situation, I think. I think that's where we're Indeed. at with it. Indeed. So. Indeed. Our guest today is a previous winner of the Seattle Heart of Fire tournament. He's won one of my favorite names for a tournament. The Mama Boys Brawl, and it's spelled with a B-O-Y-Z. He got in 10th place overall in the 2017 ITC season, Mr. Mitch Pelham. Mitch, tell us about the last time you lost a game. Uh, yeah, that, that's easy. It was uh, this weekend. Uh, not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, so I went down to the Boise Cup, and I, which is about nine hours from me. And uh, we drew, uh, my, my partner and I, we drove down uh, a day early and went whitewater rafting all day um, to get in some uh, physical fun. Uh, you know, so then my back would be really nicely exercised and sore already for uh, five games of bending over. But that was fine. Um, no, it was, yeah, you loosened it was, up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, just, I was going to say you're in great shape walking into the tournament, let alone going through it. Um, yeah, and uh, the Boise Cup is a is a local favorite. Um, it's actually at a game store I used to work at way back in the day. Um, it's they've actually they've moved location since then, but it's uh, ABU Games. They own they bought a health club that had failed, 
with like three basketball courts, racquetball courts, like it's two stories. It's gigantic. And they've taken it and uh, their tournament play the tournament playroom was just an entire basketball court. So you have 360 access to your tables. It's air conditioned. It's comfortable. There's room for everyone. Um, and then uh, they actually had enough room that they were able to run a AOS GT in a racquetball court next door. So it was all kinds of uh, um, Warhammer stuff going on at the same time. Uh, it's run by Captain A, um, uh, Aaron Albert. I was just uh, about to say, the, did you just say Captain Ahab runs this? I'm like, what kind yeah. of crazy stuff happens? I, I know. Killing whales um, and stuff. I don't know. Um, Cap, yeah, no, uh, he uh, um, he's been putting on this event for years. Obviously, not last year, but uh, and does a really great job of making all of his own terrain. Every terrain has thematic, uh, has a theme. It's all matched. It. Um, we had really great terrain in general on all the tables. And it's just an uh, awesome event. If you can make it out there, it's it's a really, really good time. Did you, whenever you did the white water, whitewater rafting, were you thinking you were prepping for like a basketball or maybe a little racquetball tournament also? Did, was that in your mind? Like maybe you have to do that between rounds or? No, it was it, the, the rafting is just something that we try to do every time we go down to Boise. I, uh, I've been going to a specific company for years and it's just a, it's just a really fun way to get out in the fresh air before you spend two days in a gymnasium with a bunch of sweaty nerds. So that sounds the, absolutely what's, delightful, what's man. What's the rating on this, uh, with your way water going? These were only fours and five or uh, fours and threes all day. Nothing, nothing crazy. I was going to say, I was going to see how much, much, uh, testosterone was kicking through you when you first <laughs> went down. Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was, it's one of those nice things where you, they use, there's like hot springs you stop at during the day and you're just relaxing the whole time. So, yeah. Um, so player wise, I think we were at like around 40 players. Um, yeah. It, um, there was a shocking number of Necrons and chaos there, um, which isn't, I mean, it's shocking in the sense of how many of them there were in the current meta, but at the same time, knowing the player bases that we have, like the players in those areas, not shocking at all. Very, very uh, common uh, people who are ride or die for those factions. Oh, yeah. Those are those are ones you typically see. Like I'm playing chaos. I've played chaos for 20 years. I'm not playing anything but chaos. Yeah, those are. Yep, I feel it. I feel those I, players. I, out I there. don't understand this at all because I am willing to drop all loyalties at a moment's notice, as I've as everyone knows. Oh yeah, jump on the jump on the wagon, man. You're the you're the leader. You're the wagoneer. What do you call the guy who like whips the horses? That's uh, that's what oh, you I'm, are. I'm the, I'm I'm definitely driving that thing. I'm you're the driving stage, it. The bandwagon driver all the way. Well, Mitch, is there anything like as far as like terrain goes at the Boise Cup? Anything special they do? Anything Absolutely. wacky? Or? So uh, they they have a printout with uh, the terrain layout, all the pieces of terrain on each table, and it says exactly what qualities each piece of terrain has, um, and, which is really useful and not something you see at a lot of events. Where and and that it would have probably changed some of my strategy for like list building had I known that because there was a lot more defensible. Um, terrain out there um, that was just clearly defined that way, and you could it would have been consistent and um, uh, you know something you could count on. So that's something that goes into that little micro meta sort of thing of studying for events. Is if if now that now that I know that next year I'll be able to prepare differently for uh, be knowing that they have that that quirk of having a lot of really defined terrain. Well, the table is pretty. Were they pretty standardized, like across the board? Like most of the tables are pretty similar. Uh, no, they they definitely had themes. Some were lighter, some were heavier. Some had a lot more shooting lanes, but that was you know mitigated by more forest, whereas others had more line of sight blocking. So there was okay. there was definitely a variety there. But I I never once ended up on a table where I'm like, well, this is just 
playing a bowling ball. This is unacceptable. Um, that was just not the case. Well, speaking of playing a bowling ball on that, since you are playing some ad back, tell us a little bit about your list before we sure. go in, and then we'll talk about the opponent's list, and we'll hash out this game. Absolutely. So I was playing a, a, a new variant of Admech for myself. I had uh, previous, previously played a pure Mars list in a team tournament a few weeks before. I was rock. Um, and from that, I kind of gathered what I wanted to play my play style. Um, and I rock. So I got a Mars patrol with 20 Rangers and uh, obviously uh, Omnispecs and all that good stuff. Data tether. Uh, and then I had two squads of t- 10 infiltrators because infiltrators have never not been worth it uh, in my experience with Admech. And I'm a, I'm a manipulist there who can, uh, he has the Loki, the Logi, I think. Sorry, not Loki, Logi, uh, the one for where you can turn it into exploding sixes to hit. Um, and then we go over to the L- Lucius Battalion I have where I have. A twenty man of Rangers and a twenty man of Vanguard, both like same upgrades. Uh, two five mans of Vanguard and one five man of Rangers. A nine man of Infiltrators and three nine mans of Rust Stalkers, and then two Manipulus and the Marshal. The Marshal having the reroll ones um, Relic and the Cover Warlord trait, uh, and then the Manipulus both have each having their own uh, Cult upgrade, what or whatever that the they, I had the fallback and shoot and the Ignore AP one and two. And then obviously um, on the ignore AP one and two guy, I also had the uh, the relic for teleporting my vanguard. That's all I ever teleported. And then the uh, the transhuman warlord trait. There we go. So you really took the board and you took the board fast. I mean, you've got stuff to pre move up. Really, really had a lot of bodies and a lot of durable things and a lot of shots. Yeah, um, so I, I built the list with uh, the synergies for secondaries in mind. The list, like, it, it is almost impossible for it to not get at least, like, a 40 on primary, usually. Um, you know, like, and you're going to get, uh, uh, you go while we stand, we fight, or not while we stand, we fight, uh, raise banners, sorry, and then you take the, um, I, I can't remember the table corners one anymore. Retrieve um, Octarius data that, and that thing. It will, it, that would be the so you could take that or banners. They're in the same category. So oh, engage. Okay, sorry, yeah. So yeah. engage. 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 That's and what re- I meant. Retrieve yeah. Octarius data is the old scramblers for those listening who haven't read chapter Bruce. Thank you very The new much. scramblers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The new scramblers is retrieve and Octarius data. It just data. rolls off the tongue. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's so, really, really nice. So I'm usually able to take those two very consistently. And then, oh, and I have one Mars Chicken Walker. And the Mars Chicken Walker is there so that I can take an Admech secondary that for every time I kill more infantry than you do vehicles, as long as I have a vehicle on the table, I get three points a turn. So that didn't come up in most of my matches because I I just, I, I had better secondaries available to me. But that was a little bit of tech that was designed. So if I did get into another infantry army, I had this guaranteed secondary that i can take that old that's really easy if i just hide my chicken i can just get that very very quickly and easily so, so that's what that was for let's talk about what you actually played against for the the one loss of the, the game absolutely yeah, he went with some some bangers just held in the board triple mm-hmm. sagittarium triple telemon actually yeah. four sagittarium in there it's just one of them doesn't have the miscordia. Oh, I, I apologize. I didn't see the, the last. I was like, I'm looking for the last one. I'm like, so he found found some units that he liked and went, we're going with these. So we got the Vexilla Praetor, 
And then we've got Trajan and the shield captain on bike with all the standard. The undying shield captain. Exactly. Yeah. Unstoppable destroyer, Aquila's basically three plus, all that. Rolling so, saves, all that goodie, all the goodies. Kind of walk us through exactly what went down in this in this battle. He he had all the unkillable stuff, and you just have all of the stuff. Sure. So, Start by telling uh, us just what mission y'all what mission y'all are playing on, and kind of what secondaries y'all are going with. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So we were playing priority targets, which um, uh, so uh, my opponent was someone I had never. I actually played everyone I played um, at at this event was someone I had not played before. There were lots of people I ITO a lot. And so there was lots of people I had helped run events where they had been at, but I got to play five new people, which was really cool. Um, Joseph, the gentleman I was playing here, um, plays custodes a lot. This was actually his final tournament with custodes. He'd been playing them for years and he's swapping to just something new just to change it up. But he had um, a lot, a lot of reps with this list. This list is not, it's a variant of what we see really commonly on the West coast. The three Telemon are your, while we stand, we fight targets. They're, they rarely die, and even and 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 if you're if they die, you're usually losing anyway. So it's not it's it's a, it, it, it's a very strong core uh, core secondary you can count on for you know ten to fifteen points every single game if you're going to be in it at all anyway. Um, the uh, Sagittarium are uh, obviously really great, um, especially into Lucius infantry because of their two damage, and um, so he took. The uh, he took his while we stand, we fight. He took the the one for um, getting in four table or three table corners. Um, uh, man, my brain is not, I'm, I, I haven't memorized the new names of the secondaries, but um, you still got engage on that, yeah, engage. Um, and then uh, I, I, I'm blanking on the third one off the top of my head. I uh, I think it was uh, just uh, like raise banners or something that he could just do on his back objectives and just not worry about it because he was always going to have that kind of availability with the with the vexilla and stuff so he was just playing super defensive against you kind of made you do something about it yes and no so right at the top of the game he goes i think for me to have a game into you i need to go first and i need to go hard and because if i don't if i don't kill enough of your stuff turn one i'm just you're just going to pick me up you know i just don't have the models available you know, to, to, to play a war of attrition with you. If I can't get a really, you know, a good haymaker into the beginning and he proceed. So, uh, we, uh, with obviously with, uh, the priority targets, we moved objectives. He moved the first one, which, uh, turned out to be the most important objective. Um, he moved, uh, it was one of the, it was one that was closer to my deployment zone and he moved it towards his deployment zone. But more importantly, it blocked a lot of line of sight for the battlefield so that my, uh, Rangers for my, for Mars, we're, we're going to have a really hard time really doing anything about it without being exposed. So I wasn't going to be able to own that objective as easily. And I, after that, moved his uh, his back objective uh, the, um, to be able to be in open line of fire. So if you wanted to stand on it, he'd have to be in the open so I could shoot at him. And then I moved my own back uh, objective to make it so that I could have rangers in a building being able to hold it, ideally. So that was where I made one of my mistakes. I should have, because um, then he proceeded to move the last objective, which was closer to his um, deployment zone, uh, clo even closer. And that be ended up being a pretty crucial thing in this game. So that was actually, I, I should not have moved his home objective. He was going to have something back there that I wasn't going to have the ability to shoot anyway. Like th th that was just going to happen. And I, and I, I was thinking, oh, well, I'm going to force you to be here. Maybe one turn I, or two, I can blow you off of it. There was, 
as soon as he uh, part of what this list does is he just throws all the telemons kind of forward so you have to deal with them and if you can't do that then you're you really can't get um any sort of momentum or or pace going because the telemons are constantly disrupting that you're having to work around them and they're not they're they're just they're just a bit too hard to kill for most uh you know unless you can really overkill one it it it, it can be very difficult so um i took in engage raise banners and i believe my third one did you did you take the priority target yes priority yeah we both that's what we both say you guys because you auto take priority target yes that's why i'm like i'm like why am i only remembering two seconds because we took both took the mission one and it's because you just auto include that one in your brain yeah that's uh yeah yeah exactly that because he was like yeah i'm obviously going to do that that's a free 15 points for custodes and i'm like well i i gotta keep up with you so let's do it um so before the game even started, did you consider this a bad matchup for you? Yeah, I felt really good about it for the most part. It's it. I have the model advantage, so I can just muscle him off of objectives theoretically early game. And with the my experience with Admech in general is if I go first with with this type of list with so many infiltrators and stuff, I just win. Um, so it's basically how bad of the how bad is the matchup if I go second and. So what I did in deployment um, is part. So the only bad thing about the terrain we had here, this was more of a a a, a, um, a board that had line of sight blocking more in the corners and not in the middle. That we had forest in the middle, so it was it was mitigating, but it wasn't. There were still clear, clear lanes of fire, and unfortunately, when you're talking about telemons and stuff like that hitting on twos, the minus one, you know, when you have the reroll ones from Trahan, isn't that big of a deal. So that so he was I, he was benefiting a lot more from that than I was, is what I would say there. So I I couldn't hide my infiltrators very well. Uh, so I put them in in behind woods in a couple different places to basically one try and move block um, his telemon if he tried to advance it onto the one of the objectives and then to try and get onto another objective to hopefully be able to get an early hold more. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's tough. Yeah, because you're you're dealing when you're dealing with shooting twos and it goes to threes, re-rolling ones. I mean, he that, he really didn't care about that. That's not exactly especially with the volume of fire. Yeah. So, but I so I so he goes first. I pop uh, the plus one save for all of my guys, but that means I'm giving up mobility for my turn, which isn't great. But I but I need to I need to preserve stuff. I need stuff to exist for it to matter because I can't hide as much stuff as I want to. Um, so I pop that, and then for my canicles, because all of my Mars are benefiting from canicles, I'm also getting light cover. So my infiltrators are in heavy cover, also getting the benefit of light cover, and have a plus one to their save. They should be reasonably durable. Um, he goes first. He proceeds to roll, no, I wouldn't say specifically better than average, probably maybe a little, but not, nothing that I noticed. And I proceed to fail like eight out of ten four-up saves, and and so I'm all all of a sudden I'm right off the bat. I'm like, oh, when I should have five dudes left over, I have one or two, and I have them on several different spots. So now I'm on the back foot of of I'm gonna I I lose some more guys to uh, I'm gonna lose some more guys to attrition and leadership tests. And on top of that, he is able to make a couple of charges um, that which were ten inches, getting his telemon and his shield captain onto an objective. Um, Wow, so he deployed pretty aggressively on the line also against you. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He, he's like, I have to come at you. Um, so uh, when you see that across oh, the board from you, 
when you see that across the board from you, what is like, what is your thought? Like, all right, what's, what's dying first in that, uh, that deployment? Well, so I, I norm, normally you just want to ignore the telemons as much as possible because, uh, they, they are so hard to kill. I looked at this and I said, okay, I'm probably going to get, get 40 to 45 on primary. I need, I need to get that. I need to max primary and I need to kill one telemon. If I can do those two things, he, I can. I should be ahead on secondaries just by math, as long as I don't die exponentially quicker than I than I should. Which I which I really didn't do after the first turn. I had some bad rolls, but that that's neither here nor there. the 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 big thing for me is kill one Telamon because that's a five point. That's five points for him that goes away that he cannot recover from. So if I can take away those five points and match him in every other secondary. That, that, that can be the game right there. Yeah, that makes sense. And you've got so, enough bodies to, even if you take horrific losses, you still can just keep churning up even with that game plan. I like that game plan itself just because of the fact that, you know, a lot of times people get worry about losing, you know, a unit or two, you know, and basically being behind in models. But you were always going to be taking, I mean, in this army, you take a lot of casualties, period, anyways. But just take that board and keep scoring those primaries and those secondaries, and you're still going to pull it out. Yeah. So, and, and, that, and, and so like turn one went real bad for me. Um, and, uh, I had to tell myself, I had to just check in and be like, listen, you have a game plan, you know, you, you may or may not win this, but you are, there's no reason that you, that this game should be more than like a 10 point spread. So just keep doing your thing and, and, and good things can happen. Like luck swerves either way. Right. So um, the other thing that happened is he was able to just pick up a 20 man unit of Rangers. So I lost probably 20 of my infiltrators slash rust stalkers and 20 dudes along with that. So th there was some pretty heavy losses turn one. So turn one for me, I teleport my Vanguard into his backfield, um, fully buffed up, ignoring AP one and two, um, uh, you know, the transhuman, all, all the good stuff. And I pop the strat and I shoot into two of his uh, Sagittari units and empty, um, you know, so 30 shots into each, you know, on average should see around 15 wounds, um, you know, um, just from the fours that you should get from hitting. And I, I got, I got pretty average um, on that. And then he just made, made real good saves. Nothing shocking there. He, you know, custodies on a three up, you, you might get them. You might not. I was able to pick up, I think three of the Sagittarii, maybe four, but I also, the, the plan there was to get one, it gets, I have two units now that are going to continue to get me my, um, my, my four, you know, keep, keep me in table corners. And I've put a really durable unit here that he now just has to commit to deal with. Because if he doesn't, I'm going to just keep spending one CP and shooting into him. And he doesn't like he doesn't want that. The, the Telemon can only be so many places at once. He needs that long distance reinforcement shooting from the Sag, uh, the, the Sag, Sagittarii. Sagittari? I can never. I don't know what the plural there is. Um, anyway. Bunch so, of Sagittarii dudes. Got yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. So the other part of that is I'm uh, so I'm I Wrath of Mars into one Telemon and I do like eight wounds to it, you know, pretty, pretty decent. And then I, I wrath of Mars into that tell him on the next turn as well. I, um, it could, so the, the short version of what happens in turn, uh, turn two, I put guys onto an, onto the objective that basically decides who holds more. He's able to scrape them off before I can, I can get hold more. 
I I get the uh, I I on my turn two I charge rust stalkers into the captain and the telemon that are on that objective. I get the captain down to one wound. So this is at I, at turn two the captain is at one wound and he will remain there for the rest of the game until I uh, kill him in turn five. This was one of the the main problems for me is I could just not get that dude to fail a three up because he has two re rolls. Um, <laughs> And uh, and I um, once he was able to kill my rust stalkers, I, I needed my mortal wound output trying to kill that telemon, so I couldn't put it over into the captain, who was uh, um, who was protected by another telemon. So uh, at, so at that point, I um, turn th- uh, so turn three comes around, and it's just that he's not really doing anything different. He's killing what he can kill, but he's mainly w- focusing on secondaries and playing the primary. He doesn't have to do much other than exist to keep getting his score. And it's, it's really all of the, he's put all of the initiative and pressure on me to change the game state. So I start throwing some hail Marys. Um, on turn three, I pull my infiltrators, uh, one squad that I had left off of the board with a stratagem that lets you, um, if you're within nine inches of the table edge, you pull them off and you can put them on the table edge next turn. So at this point he has realized the Telamon is more or less the game. Uh, that that injured Telamon. I've got it down to two wounds now. And so he is completely hidden in his backfield. I pop out my infiltrators. Wrath of Mars into him. Uh, so infiltrators have 50 shots. I get 42 hits or something like that. Um, because uh, I had popped the, I'm hitting on twos. Um, uh, not Canical, the other, Doctrina. Doctrina on that, yeah. Yep. So I popped that. I get 42 hits. I just need two mortal wounds with my Wrath of Mars. I get one. At one six out of 42. And so I'm like, okay, he's down to one wound. I'm going to charge him. Charge. Don't get it. Reroll the charge. Nope, don't get it. Okay, well, that was, uh, that, w- that did not work out. But at least you're getting me the, uh, my, 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 uh, my recon points. So at that point, I go, okay, I, I have tried all of the tricks I can, and I'm going to just keep trying to grind out as many points as possible. And it, it, it's basically down to if I can get hold more on turn five, which I was unable to do. I charged that silly shield captain with my marshal, with my manipulus, with any dude I had available to try and just knock off that one wound. And it, it I just could not make it happen. And that, I mean, that's tough. And that's, that's custodes. I feel like, you know, they're, they live and die off that three up invul and save. So especially when they get the rerolls, that's just uh, oh, it's the, super strong. To get through. And 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 uh, it was a great game. Uh, Joseph was super kind, and we played by intent the whole time. We both made some mistakes here and there, where you know we were just very. It, it, there was no gotchas of any sort or anything like that. It was just very much. I knew what his army did. He had a pretty good idea of what my army did, and we needed to just work it out and see who won. Yeah, I mean that, that's you recounted that game perfectly. I feel like I got I was I feel like I was there when you were telling it actually. So great job on that. Um, one thing that some of the listeners like to know is like if so if you were going to give advice to a new admec player with the new book and all that, what is like the one piece of advice you would give them right now? Um, the one piece of advice I would give an, someone new to playing admec is start simple. There's a there's a ton of complex tech in that book and you will end up accidentally cheating or forgetting or not using any, you know, the things you paid for. If you start too complicated, I started with a pure 
very simple Mars list that had a lot of different units in it that I wanted to experiment with. And I was able to take that and then build a more informed AdMech list after that. And so I would say start simple, experiment with what you... AdMech can play so many different ways now. You can do just... You can do a mostly combat. You can do mostly troops. You can do a, a huge mix. You can do mostly vehicles. You can do, you know, mostly flyers. There's there's a lot of different ways you can play them. And the one that's going to work best for you is probably the one that actually suits your play style and your, like, thought processes best. What did you that, actually score? Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Brad. No, I was just going to bump into... I was just... Uh, what did you end up scoring in those secondaries and kind of moving from there? Just, I was just kind of thinking of different uh, things we can go into in part two about that. Sure. Just uh, as far as what was the, uh, the final score as far as your secondaries? Okay. So I, uh, I got 40 on the primary. I was never able to get up the hold more I needed. I just had the, um, the hold two. So I got 40 there. So it, um, the final score was 87-82. So, again, if I can get one more hold uh, hold more there, that, that is either a swing or it's equal, um, uh, so, or a tie. And then um, for secondaries, I was able to get I, – um, uh, I got 22 points total. I want to say it was six – or no, eight of Raise the Banners. And then I was able to get table corners for um, – for three turns, I believe, and um, for but only getting two points each time, unfortunately. Um, and then I, I uh, actually I take that back. I got less than that because I got I got the full fifteen for the uh, for the for the priority targets. Yeah, the priority target. So it was it was yeah. I, I think it was about because it it ended up being thirty two points. So gotcha. I was just thinking that um, looking back on it, there's some of the plays. Um, would you have put in maybe because of the fact that you have such a unit advantage on him and he can't block out as much because of his small model count, uh, taking more uh, things in reserve and just going for that focus on secondary, uh, maybe even doing retrieve, you know what I mean? Uh, just getting more points on engage and more points on uh, retrieve Octarius? Um, I So I personally don't believe that you should almost ever deep strike anything in ninth edition. Um, I'm, I'm weird that way. I... I, the way my list works specifically um, was designed to play against modern AdMech and uh, specifically to make the Flappy Boys pretty useless. I um, Every game I played where anyone deep struck anything, except for this game, where um, he was able to deep strike one, that one Sagittarius um, without the Discordia, continue getting his uh, table corners. Because um, I didn't, ha- um, but outside of that, I, no one was ever able to deep strike anything other than where I wanted. So I have a hard time um, since I've come back from eighth because um, uh, I, I I had a fairly long um, gap in playing. I the table size has made it so easy to screen out deep striking. It's unless they're very specific small units like characters or things like that. I have a hard time uh, not seeing um, every time I play against a, a high enough player skill person where I'm worried anyway about needing that kind of play. That I find that they can usually screen you out. Um, but I, I think what I needed to do here specifically is I, 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 had, I needed to use my Rust Stalkers differently and I needed to commit them all to one side. So if he put that Telemon forward, I could have just put all of them into the Telemon and killed it, which would have gotten me the uh, while we stand, we fight um, five point swing. 
I, I, I had my rust stalkers kind of spread across two different fronts and they ended up not being, not being, I mean, the, one of them ended up sitting in the middle and just camping on that objective. And I had the warlord who's like, Hey, you're in cover and you get an extra plus one as well. So, you know, have plus three. Um, like they just sat there and he just never shot at them because they were minus one to hit with, with plus three in cover. So that was that was the, the one useful thing I was able to do with him, but I needed to take my set my third squad and have put them on the same side that he clearly was committing his telemon to, to going after, and I just I, I I misplayed that. Gotcha. Would you have changed looking back on it with you know obviously the twenty twenty hindsight that we all have? Would you have changed your secondaries looking at it? Um, I probably. I I I might not take raise. Raise is usually so good, and if I had, uh, uh, if I had thought it through, though, I think that I, I would have realized, oh, we're going to be fighting over one of these objectives. He's going to hold two of them. I'm going to hold two of them. So I'm really realistically not that one objective we're going to be fighting over is probably not going to be. Uh, it's going to be limiting the 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 raise banners upside. So I I probably could have done something different there. I'm not sure what I would have picked. I, I haven't uh, found something that I, I liked a lot better. There is a admech specific secondary for killing um, characters and things like and things with relics that I thought might have been okay, but I was never like that. The only reason that that's useful is it would have made it would have maybe made him be a little bit more cautious with his shield captain, but he knew he had to use it. So I don't think that changes anything. Yeah, makes sense. I was, um, just, I was just thinking stranglehold, for instance. Stranglehold would be, yeah, would have been good. Just because you were already fighting over that middle in the first yeah. place. And then <clears throat> and, and the game was very close. You scored a ton of points. Obviously, just looking over that, you know, that perfect, what could you do later, you know, just to learn well, from it. And, and, and uh, my opponent uh, was very, he was really gracious about it. He's like, this is just the perfect storm for me. He's like, it's the one mission I can beat you on. Because he's like, if it's any other mission, I lose. Because he, he doesn't have that secondary available to him. Um, and then it was, and he was like, and then I needed to go first. He's like, if I go second, I lose. So he, those, those few things like were, 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 uh, prerequisites for his success. And he would, and he recognized that and capitalized on it amazingly well. He did a great job. Yeah. Mitch, uh, another thing our listeners frequently ask is when you sit down and think about a game and what went wrong, like, how do you process that after the event? How do you like think back like hindsight, like, all right, what's your process for all that? I guess. Sure. Um, so I try So with every list, I have questions, right. Of like what's working and what isn't. And so like, um, I, I look at things like the forge world I'm choosing the units I'm choosing. Did I take too many? Like, so for example, the chicken, um, I never ended up using that secondary just because of the, I never got paired into anyone. Could have been super useful if I was paired into other things. It might still be a thing after orcs come out. Um, you know, at that point, then you might be like, oh, there's infantry units everywhere all the time. Hiding one vehicle to be able to have that guaranteed uh, 15 points could be worth it. But I, I was unimpressed with that. It just didn't add enough for it to really be worth it. Um, and he didn't do a single wound the entire Custodes game. Um, he, and he was alive until like turn five, I think. And just even with the Mars rerolls, just never got anything through the invos. Do you have like a process? Do you think about though? Is there like a like a mojo you go through or something like that as you as you sit down and like process like a loss or? Well, I think you know you always so I I look at it first and I go, okay, what were the mathematical abnormalities? Because you need to get rid of those. Like if something if someone if someone made 
10, 12 inch charges, like that's a that's an abnormality that you can't plan for that. That's just dice being dice. So you have to relegate all that out of the way because it'll cloud your judgment and you'll be able to go, well, no, he, if he doesn't make that charge, it's like, okay, cool. But he did make that charge. So let's, let's just crazy dice happen and that you can't process, you can't plan for them. So you got to ignore them. So you I cut the outliers. Yeah. I, I eliminate all of that. So like all the charges he makes turn one and my saves, those were things, but realistically, if I had taken those infiltrators and instead just put everything on the, uh, um, kind of committed to that one objective that he was very clearly wanting to go after and being like, no, I have now doubled the number of bodies I have available to make sure this is mine. That also creates a big swing, right? So that I start looking at that. Okay. Did I, so that's, I, that's deployment. Um, the, I guess I, I, what I would say is you go statistical abnormalities, list deployment, and then like there are decisions you'll make during the game that matter. And you can analyze those too. But um, but like all the pregame stuff is usually what I focus on of like, where did I what did I do that lost me this game before I started? Where were the five points I gave up or whatever it was that I did that I just didn't consider um, in general? That's a cool way to think about it. Like the pregame. Yeah. What, what can I do before I even start to give me a better chance at, at the win? Yeah, I like that. Because that's the one thing you have control over. Really, everything that happens in the game is circumstantial based on who you're playing and all these other factors. But the stuff that happens pregame um, is, is the stuff you really have the control over. Well, awesome, man. Thanks for coming on today. I really enjoyed uh, hearing about um, these lists are really cool. I think they're really unique from what we've talked about in the past. And it was kind of fun talking about something besides uh, Dark Eldar and uh, all that jazz for once. So um, thanks for coming on, man. I loved it. Happy to. Um, one thing we do do at the end of the episode is we do do a, a Q&A from the War Room members. The War Room is the Facebook group that's exclusive to Art of War subscribers. Um, every week I post in there and I ask if they have any questions for our guests this week. This one was a little short notice. We did a two-week, two-day turnaround, so I didn't have a lot of time to ask. But actually, I am a War Room member, and I do have a question for you today. Sure. So this question today comes from Blake Law, who is a War Room member. And I just want to know, what events are you going to do the rest of your man? Um, I'm playing in the Las Vegas team tournament. Uh, I'll be judging at LVO um, as usual. Uh, I'm not doing a ton of traveling this year, so it's mostly events in the Pacific Northwest, kind of just trying to hit whatever I can around here. Got a lot of uh, real life stuff going on this year, but I'm the, the big one for me will be that team tournament for sure. And that's, that's the one that's uh, in September, right? Is that yeah? All right, cool, man. Well, uh, I definitely look forward to meeting you at LVO. So I'm sure I'm coming to that one. I just got my notification that uh, it's been transferred from the 2020 year. So I'm ready to roll for that, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm easy to spot. I'm the guy. I'm the judge in the suspenders. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah, good. And, and me and Brad are going to be the the guys in the mullet wig. So I'm buying Brad a fantastic horse here mullet wig, and we're gonna just uh, we're gonna be style. We're gonna be up with the hip kids. ITC win mullet for the victory. <laughs> mullet for the victory, baby. <laughs> Um, Mitch, do you, now you have a podcast, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, one of the hosts of Best in Faction, which is a competitive podcast that where we break down uh, the games we play at tournaments and we try to make uh, high-end like 40K combos and metas more accessible for everyone and just try to really just get into the nitty-gritty of stuff. Now, where can they find this podcast? I mean, I mean I've, obviously, it's a big podcast. Most of our listeners have probably heard of it, but where can they find you if they haven't heard of you? Um, you if you just search Best in Faction on you know any podcast app, it should pop up. For YouTube, it's BiffPod, and for Twitch, it's also BiffPod. 
we do have um so something we do every year is charity hammer um and we're actually doing it two times this year but we have our summer charity hammer event which i know has a lot of the art of war guys coming um uh, i'll be rocking uh, it out you know, uh, and I think that I'm in, it actually. I think it's August 3rd through 5th or somewhere around there, but we'll be, so that's a live, uh, that's a marathon um, triple Twitch stream where we have lots and lots of tables with some of the best players in the world and some of the best people in the community. That's also a requirement. Um, come and we play an insane amount of Warhammer 40k and do all kinds of funny and weird challenges and whatever else we can do. You guys will pay us to raise money for uh, for Child's Play, which is a charity local to us here that, um, but they, they, it started here. It's national now. And they get uh toys and games and video games and stuff for kids in children's hospitals since obviously that's a really unfun place for them to be right awesome man no, that's that's fantastic great cause. great cause yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing that um mitch thanks for coming on and uh we'll be joining you again for part two here shortly so make sure to listen in for part two where we talk about strategy we talk about his list and we talk about all the things that mitch might change in his list moving forward um also, check out the rest of Art of War's other products. Check us out at theartofwar40k.com. We have all of our other podcasts on there. We have the Art of War Down Under with Adam Calleri. We have Art of War Vanilla with John Lennon and Tim Penny. And we have our Facebook I'm pretty group. sure it's Tom Pony. You definitely said it wrong. Tom, sorry, Tom, Tom Pony. Tom Pony. Yeah, make sure to check out Tom Pony's podcast. It's fantastic. It's great. Uh, make sure to subscribe. Check, out ourselves and check us out on YouTube. Check out all of our coaches' service. You can hire Brad here to do anything you want, literally anything. Um, just it's check real, out our website. real weird. Things get weird at theartofwar40k.com. Join us for part two. Thanks for listening. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. Theartofwar40k.com. 